Jen's been doing uh, good videos on the updates of the Tara Reid uh, story, uh, which obviously has been out there in, in independent media for, I think at this point, like a month and a half. Uh, Katie Halper, who's an independent uh, podcaster, she does, an, she does her own podcast, as well as with uh, Matt Taibbi on Rolling Stone, uh, first interviewed Tara, uh, then Ryan Grimm broke a story, and uh, those two have been sticking on it, uh, and eventually, finally, finally, the, the corporate media has really been sh pushed and forced, really, to cover this. Um, you know, I'm just going to keep it real. Jen's not going to like me saying this, my girlfriend's not going to like me saying this, but I always keep it real. Obviously, the elephant in the room, you know, I was smeared many years ago. So uh, in relation to the Me Too movement, I still support the Me Too movement, obviously. But I think uh, more people, now that it's a couple years later, are realizing, you know, there has to be some balance. We can't just believe everything, whether it's uh, from a, a woman making the accusation, a man, whatever. We have to be inclined to want to hear out. Uh, people who claim that they were harassed or assaulted, but we also need to know, uh, you know, the dynamic, the context, you know, witnesses, corroboration, all those things. I think two things could be true, right? Be believe, uh, you know, be inclined to believe people, but let's hear the facts and the evidence. Uh, so Tara Reid worked uh, in Senator Biden's office in the early 90s. She obviously uh, came out along with other women um, I think it was last year, talking about that Biden had, you know, not so much assaulted them, but made them uncomfortable, you know, uh, invading their personal space, kind of like, you know, kissing their neck and touching their hair and things like that. Biden at the time um, apologized, uh, where they kind of just, Biden said, oh, you know, I come from an older generation where that was okay, I apologize, now I know that's not okay. Uh, there's also the matter of, you know, all the video of him sniffing children's hair, but we won't get into that right now. So Tara Reid, um, Tara Reid came out, uh, you know, then as the primary campaign with Bernie and Biden went on, Tara Reid came out with, uh, you know, a further accusation, which is assault, that uh, she was bringing her, uh, Joe Biden's, then Senator Biden's bag, gym bag to him, and he pushed her up against the wall uh, and took his finger and, you know, against her will, penetrated her uh, with his finger. Um, and then after she rebuffed him, said something like, you know, you're nothing to me or something like this. The truth is, I don't know if it's true. If you take your anti-Biden goggles off for a second and just look at the facts, forget what you think of Biden politically, I don't know if it's true. I certainly don't. Um, I wasn't there. Just like in most of these cases, we weren't there. Uh, I, I believe we should not judge harassment or assault allegations based on if we have a pre-existing bias against the person. Because a lot of people, for example, you know, thought negative things about me because maybe I turned them off for, so, for some reason as a person and, you know, judge me guilty by tweet, you know, when I wasn't. So we have to look at things credibly. So if you look at it, we know that seven or eight women came out saying Joe Biden, you know, touched them or, or invaded their personal space. So we know that Biden, and we've seen it on video, um, is a touchy-feely guy. Now, early 1990s, Joe Biden was in his, you know, uh, what would that be? He's 77 now, so that's 30 years ago, early 40s. So this is a, you know, relatively young, uh, you know, well-known senator who 
might have had an affinity for uh, younger women at the time uh, who might have misread signals and thought a woman was interested in him. Even if, he, even if she was at the time, still would be inappropriate to do what he did if he did it. But what I, what I look at things, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if Joe Biden did this or didn't do it. But what I do know is the Biden campaign is acting extremely fishy about it. They are also trying to essentially stop certain records, uh, certain records from getting out that could further corroborate what Tara Reid is saying. Because it's not just the allegation of assault, it's the allegation of retribution when she spoke up. We still don't know why, according to Joe Biden's office, why is it that around the same time frame Tara Reid says this assault happened, why was she demoted from his office? There are interns on the record saying all of a sudden she wasn't managing us anymore. And then soon after that, she was no longer in the office. We don't have the reason. Most, in most cases, companies or politicians will hide behind the cloak of, well, we don't discuss personal personnel matters or something like this. Well, Joe Biden's running for president. He's right now in the final two. Obviously, there's movements going on, you know, drop out Biden and those things. But at the moment, uh, he's in the final two. So that's not explained. Why was she demoted? Why was she removed? And most importantly, and I think the media has to answer for this, why is it, why is it that Joe Biden himself has not said a word about this? I don't, I don't really care what his deputy campaign manager said, issuing a statement about it, uh, I think a month ago, saying, you know, this never happened, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. If you're a presidential candidate, and by the way, to be fair, it might not be true. There's potential that it's somewhere in the middle. Maybe it's not exactly how she described it, but something did happen that is that does rise to the level of unwanted advances. You know, sometimes, the, you know, it's not black or white, it's gray. So I don't want to, with my blinders on, because I don't, you know, it's not a secret what I think about Joe Biden politically. Uh, I don't want to pass judgment, but I will pass judgment on the fact can you imagine if Bernie Sanders was the presidential, the Democratic nominee right now, or the presumptive Democratic nominee, and the media had not asked him one question about a woman claiming in the early 90s he pushed her against the wall, digitally penetrated her, and then when she rebuffed him said, what, you know, you're, you're nothing to me. And then she got demoted from his Senate office? Oh my God, oh my God, Neera Tanda would be calling for an FBI investigation. I don't know what the statute of limitations are on that. Oh my God, can you imagine third way? They would be calling for Bernie Sanders to be jailed. But Joe Biden, in I, I don't have the exact count, interview after interview after, after interview, while all of these outlets knew about it, he hasn't been asked one question about this. In fact, Bernie Sanders was asked about this before Joe Biden. Potential vice presidential Nominees: Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams, who, you know, let's be honest here, is, is, is really lobbying publicly for this position. Hey, credit to her. I'm all for publicly lobbying. Don't hide it. Uh, she's pushing for it um, and, and basically said, you know, believe women, but, you know, I'm with Joe. Same thing with Kamala. Uh, you got this mix of like, well, women should be able to tell their stories, but 
we let her tell her story, and now, you know, let's move on. That's basically what we're getting. Same thing with Klobuchar, who, by the way, if I haven't announced it yet, is my pick for vice president. Not in terms of who I want to be vice president. I think that's who he's going to pick. Uh, we could get into that another time. So let's get into this. And, and by the way, credit to Katie Halper, um, who really broke this. Um, and uh, Tara Reid, again, I don't know where the truth lies. I don't know if it's true, but I do know if you are running for president, if you're the Democratic nominee, you should be asked about this and you better have a damn good answer. Because remember, the corporate media, who obviously is in the tank for Joe Biden, we've seen that the entire primary, they basically hid behind, well, we've been investigating it in the background, but we, you know, we weren't going to just publish the fact that there is an accusation. And they said, well, there's no on-the-record corroboration. Well, now there is quite a lot of corroboration. Uh, not whether it happened or not, just corroboration that Tara Reid told other people about this pretty much right after it happened. Not just her brother, uh, her mother, who, I, you know, in a really, really revealing, uh, revealing, revealing uh, showcase, CNN was beaten to that. Somebody else broke the fact that Tara Reid's mother had called into Larry King Live. Yes, she didn't say Joe Biden's name. She didn't say what happened because her daughter didn't want her to. But she did call in saying a prominent senator, there were problems that, you know, my daughter wasn't, uh, nobody took it seriously or did anything for her. So there is corroboration. And now a neighbor came out, a neighbor of Tara's saying in the early 90s, she broke down, um, revealing this story, telling her the exact same story she's been telling other people. So at the end, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. Again, he might have not done this or some version of it happened. I, you know, I'm a man and I don't want to speak for uh, anything having to do with assault victims or anything like that. I don't know the psychology. I don't know what happens. I don't know, you know, I don't know and I don't want to say anything insensitive. I'm not saying she's lying. All I'm saying is we don't know. But what I do know is it's a disgrace that Biden has been, you know, the media let him off the hook for lying about being arrested in a, at apartheid South Africa. Anybody else, especially Bernie, would have been politically excoriated for that. Uh, they let him off the hook for lying about being on the front lines of civil rights sit-ins. Not nothing. Uh, they, they've, let, they've let him off the hook for a whole host of things. But now, Biden's campaign, their strategy as BuzzFeed uh, just broke, they were putting talking points out, and, and Jen did a video on this a little bit, uh, they were putting talking points out that basically was saying, well, the New York Times investigated it and found there's nothing to it. So just point to the New York Times. And by the way, he did a very similar thing, obviously a much, much different story. He did a, he did a similar thing about his son Hunter Biden's you know, allegations of corruptions against his son and him because his son was getting paid $50,000 a month to sit on a Ukrainian board and his son probably couldn't spell Ukraine, let alone knew anything about natural gas. Obviously, you know, the son of the vice president making bank because the country was trying to influence uh, the Obama administration and Biden. So he, he said, you know, there's nothing to this when, inter when uh, interviewers asked him about it. You know, the Washington Post has looked in this, the New York Times, credible news organizations, credible news organizations uh, have looked into this and found nothing. Well, no, that's not quite true. 
they just said they could not prove that Biden was involved or whatever. Well, yeah, you can't prove that unless there's some smoking gun like Biden and his son in email laughing it up that his son's making plenty of money. But Biden and his campaign, who, by the way, his campaign is run by former Obama people, former Hillary Clinton people, former Bill Clinton people. I mean, this is the Democratic machine uh, of the last 30 years working for Joe Biden. His campaign is also, I don't know her actual title. This is a disgrace. Uh, Anita Dunn. I don't know. I don't know if she's campaign manager. She was promoted when Biden's campaign was kind of rocky. Anita Dunn was, uh, she worked in the Obama uh, administration as a communications person. She worked, uh, she's worked for a lot of Democratic politicians. She's, you know, a spin artist. She's a communications person and she does a lot of spin. She also, Jen, correct me if I'm wrong on my phone or in Super Chat, didn't she also advise Harvey Weinstein while he was on the receiving end of all of these allegations? Uh, hello? So, you know, Joe Biden's kind of has people around him that are kind of used to representing people that are not exactly innocent. So what's really striking about this is Joe Biden, it came out, they're using talking points. And, and Jen talked about this a little bit earlier. They're putting out talking points for, you know, potential vice presidential picks to use if asked about this. Congress people, senators, whoever's going to be asked about it, everybody but Joe Biden, because the media doesn't want to challenge Joe Biden on it because they don't want to lose their access because media is corrupt. Uh, basically saying, well, the New York Times uh, investigated this and found nothing. Well, only the problem is the New York Times came out <laughs> saying uh, that's not true. I mean, I'm not really giving the New York Times any love here because they took, I think, two and a half, three weeks to even investigate it. And remember, it came out that the New York Times, at the Biden campaign's request, took out a very pivotal sentence uh, that basically said, was alluding to the previous allegations against Joe Biden about inappropriate touching, inappropriate like invasion of space. They took that out because the Biden campaign called and you know said they weren't happy. So Biden, this is from the New York Times uh, political reporter here. She covers politics. Biden campaign talking points, quote, inaccurately suggest a New York Times investigation found that Tara Reid's allegation did not happen. Our investigation made no conclusion. New York Times spokesperson's response to this scoop by Ruby Kramer of BuzzFeed. Uh, let me just re read this. Buzz re BuzzFeed reported on the existence of talking points being circulated by the Biden campaign that inaccurately suggest a New York Times investigation found that Tara Reid's allegation did not happen. Our investigation made no conclusion either way. As BuzzFeed correctly reported, our story found three former Senate aides whom Reid said she complained to contemporaneously, all of whom either did not remember the incident or said that it did not happen. The story also included former interns who remembered Reid suddenly changing roles and no longer overseeing them, which took place during the same time period that Reid said she was abruptly reassigned. The Times also spoke to a friend who said Reid told her the details of the allegation at the time. Another friend and Reid's brother say she told them of a traumatic sexual incident involving Biden. So that's the New York Times. So basically the New York Times is saying, uh, you're going to have to think of something better there, Joe. Because you can't use us to say, we didn't clear you here. We just can't definitively say uh, whether this is true or not. And in fairness, in fairness, I think that's the right thing to say. I don't know if it's true. 
The New York Times doesn't know if it's true. Most of these situations are he said, she said, there are things we do know are true that do not look good for Joe Biden. Tara Reid says she made a formal complaint uh, with Biden's office. Um, I don't know the nature of that complaint. I don't know if she complained specifically about the assault or just harassment or whatever, but she made a complaint. It is in the congressional record through Joe Biden's office, and it is currently sitting in Joe Biden's, I'm probably phrasing it wrong, excuse me. I don't know if it's his library or Senate office archives or whatever. They're there. Those records are there. Um, Yet Joe Biden's campaign has said they won't release it. Now, I'm sorry. As somebody who dealt with this on a much lower schedule, lower level, I'd want to release that if, if there, you know, if there's nothing there, release it, right? Um, in some cases, you you might not release things because you know, even though you are innocent, it could be spun and misinterpreted. But he's running for president. If he says this didn't happen, it stinks to the high heavens that you have materials in your uh, gen help me out I don't I don't know what it is I don't know if it's a library or something like that they have materials that could be her um, her complaint at the time that they're not releasing the other thing here is you know the Democratic Party which is corrupt for a whole host of reasons that we discuss every day. Also, we have to get to Trump. I mean, I know I don't really cover Trump that much, but he's basically just telling meat workers, yeah, yeah, sorry, you got to go to work. And if you die, you die. We, we need you to go to work. Tyson workers and others. We're going to get to that. But what's incredible about this is you want to restore the soul of the nation. You're attacking Trump for the corruption, which you're down with. Joe Biden is just from a different era where you do corruption behind the scenes, not as transparent as as Trump. But you have the you have potential University of Delaware. Thank you, Golden Silence, doing the work for me. Uh, her whatever the complaint was is sitting at the University of Delaware, where uh, they have archives from Biden's Senate office. They won't release it. Why not? There's two two scenarios here. We all know how this goes. Number one. This is going to be a two-week story. You release whatever it is. You deal with the blows. Or like Hillary's transcripts, which obviously I'm not comparing Hillary's private speeches to potential sexual assault, but she wouldn't release them. She wouldn't release them. She wouldn't release them. Well, they leaked anyway, and it was much worse for her. Does Biden's campaign think, oh, you know, coronavirus, uh, which obviously is the top story right now, and we're just going to... You know, people will forget about it. And by the way, if he did this, do they think, you know, again, speculation, I don't have any evidence, but if, she, if he did this, there's the potential other woman, other women might come out. So they're only making it worse for themselves. And frankly, whatever ounce of um, credibility the media has, which is basically non-existent, they, you cannot interview Joe Biden again without this being the first question. I don't care if he wants to do a town hall, you know, his little live streams, which are very difficult to watch. Um, You know, the coronavirus's impact on African-Americans, the coronavirus impact on women. That's all great. Totally think that needs spotlight for sure. But no, you're the Democratic nominee. All the media has been, you know, playing the little horse race game about um, 
We need to, um, we need to, you know, who's going to be the vice presidential pick? No, 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 no. This is not, you know, they say the lesser of two evils. We cannot now bog, bog ourselves down on the lesser of two rapists, if he is a rapist. That is not, and I know, you know, I've even heard from some people that just want Trump out. Well, look at Trump. Okay, but do you know anything? Because Trump's, Trump's campaign and Trump himself, the gift you could give Trump, and Hillary Clinton was a gift for Trump, the absolute best gift you could give Trump is having corruption yourself that he has. Because then he just, you cancel out his own corruption, or in Trump's case, uh, I mean like 13 or 14 allegations of sexual assault and harassment, he's just gonna throw it in your face and <laughs> muddy the waters. That's what he does. Remember, at the debate first Hillary Clinton, he had Anita Broderick and all these other people in the front row. You don't think that's coming to a lesser degree here? Uh, I want to show you a clip from last night, which shows you even when they do cover it. Oh, CNN's not happy about it. But this is Erin Burnett from last night. To be fair, I don't know. She does kind of look like she's not feeling well. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just, I've, the last few nights I've seen her, it looks like she's sick. Uh, so I hope she's okay. Uh, I, I really do. But watch this clip where she's interviewing this reporter. See if anything stands out to you. Uh, now, so this account purportedly told to Lacoste within a few years of this alleged assault is the first time that we are hearing uh, on the record and detailed corroboration of Reed's allegation against Joe Biden. Uh, now, Reed's brother has told us uh, that there was an incident at the time that he was aware of. He didn't know the full details. And a friend has also told CNN that she was told about the alleged assault at the time, but she is not willing to go on the record. So, MJ, do we know why Lacoste is choosing to speak out now? Well, Lacoste says that she and Tara Reid uh, lost contact for many years after the mid-1990s, uh, and that that conversation uh, she actually hadn't thought about for all of those years. A few years ago, she says they got back in touch. And last year, when Tara Reid mentioned Joe Biden, uh, Lacoste said, I remember that conversation that we had in the 1990s. Uh, and more recently, she says that she told her uh, ex-neighbor, I'm willing to talk publicly uh, about this conversation that we had. Again. And to be fair, uh, it does look like she's sick. I, I don't know. I hope she's not. But what's incredible to me about that, there's a lot of incredible things. That, that wasn't the full segment. But what's incredible about that to me is a few things. Number one, CNN, Erin Burnett, if you watched the whole segment last night, acted like this was like a new breaking story. Like this woman's allegations was a new breaking story. It's not. It's been, I mean, she's been trying to get the media to listen to her for, it seems like, six months to a year about the assault portion of her complaint. Um, but her interview with uh, Katie Halper was, I think, at the end of March. She's been saying this now for almost two, two months. So, oh, end of March, no, a full month it's been out there in the media. So there is, I could tell you, and Jen could tell you, there is a certain arrogance with CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, when independent media or progressive media break something. Oh, well, that's not a name brand. I don't know who that is. She has a podcast, so poo, poo, poo. Back to our ass, ass, kick, ass licking of uh, politicians. But this has been out there. The Intercept is not really, you know, is a well-known outlet. It gets picked up quite a bit, even in corporate quarters. So 
CNN and these other outlets trying to frame this as like just breaking. A woman is uh, is alleging this. Uh, no, just breaking like a month ago. Okay, you didn't cover it for obvious reasons. Secondly, in that segment, uh, that's not the full segment. You could go watch it. I, I watched the whole thing, so you don't have to. Uh, they didn't even mention the fact that Tara's mother called in to CNN in 1993 on Larry King Live. You know, they're claiming it, we don't know if it was her mother. Well, her mother lived in this part of California that the caller called in, and Tara said, that's my mother's voice. And Tara said before that she her mother called in to Larry King Live. So how do you leave that out, that her mother called in to CNN? Kind of comes off like you're trying to just hide the full damage here. The bottom line is this. Oh, and Erin Burnett, when she says, why is this coming out now? First of all, I, you know, I'm not a woman, but that's kind of, that's like the go-to. Like, well, why is, why is this woman coming out now? You know, as Biden is the nominee. Why, why is she coming out now? And now the journalist is echoing that talking point. Well, first of all, there's two reasons why the neighbor is coming out now. Number one, because CNN didn't do its job. And CNN didn't lift a finger. Not just CNN, but the corporate media. Didn't do its job to, I don't know, see who her neighbors were contact them an investigative journalist with business insider sorry that i'm um sorry that i'm blanking on the name credit to him uh he broke the story because he did the legwork and found the neighbor and got the neighbor to go on the record which by the way is not easy i could tell you it's very difficult to get people to go on the record uh it, it it's a process for our flint story it, it's been difficult uh, to get people on the record, and sometimes in the Flint in the Flint bombshell we just broke, took over a year to get someone to go on the record, uh, not for the whole story, but a specific part. But that's why the neighbor is just coming out now, because CNN, with its wealth of resources, spends more time on Trump's tweets and bullshit than on investigating possible assault and corruption. That's why. The second reason I could only speculate. Tara Reid said, well, I didn't want my daughter as a young kid to have to deal with this and have the trauma of this becoming a big national story. So I waited till my daughter was older to, to reveal, you know, the allegation of being assaulted by Joe Biden. Again, I don't know if Joe Biden did it or not. I'm removing what I think about him politically. I don't know what, what, whether he did it or not. What I do know, De University of Delaware, yeah. They're not choosing on their own not to release this. Obviously, there's some communication here between Biden world and this university, which I think made Joe Biden like an honorary professor. And obviously, Biden is big in Delaware. You know, University of Delaware is not doing this on their own. Secondly, um, again, there's documents that could add to this story. They won't release them. It's only going to become a bigger story. And then let's pivot for a second. I don't want to make this political because sexual assault, potential sexual assault, very serious thing. Bernie Sanders, uh, are you sticking with this endorsement until Joe Biden answers for this? I mean, say what you want about Bernie Sanders. Uh, a lot of people aren't happy with him. I'm not happy with him right now on uh, the capitulation. Uh, I've, I've discussed that with you. I don't think he's a sellout. I don't think he's a coward. I think some people are going too far on that end. But, you know, you suspended your campaign. There's a difference. You didn't formally say, like, ever again. And these are extenuating circumstances. So Bernie Sanders, if he wants to be a leader on behalf of women, 
on behalf of just people, he needs to publicly say. I, I think Joe himself needs to speak to this and clear it up if there is something. It's not enough just to, you know, believe, you know, Kristen Gillibrand. I wonder what Al Franken thinks about this. Kristen Gillibrand um, came out yesterday. I support Vice President Biden. Well, that's fine. You know, and other, other uh, you know, Me Too I would call them seasonal me tours. They're, 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 they are believe women when it's against Brett Kavanaugh and Republicans. But if it's against Joe Biden, well, huh, well, we're glad she got to tell her story. But, you know, we support Joe Biden. And to hell, he doesn't have to answer for it. No, 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 no. Bernie Sanders and other progressives need to come out right now. Yes, I agree. Trump needs to be taken out. But there's two problems with that. Number one, if this continues, it's only going to help Trump anyway. So... You're not helping Biden by shielding him from this. Uh, and number two, we can't, as a, Demo as a progressive movement, we can't have a standard of the lesser of two potential rapists. I don't agree with that. So I'd like to see Bernie Sanders come out and definitively say, uh, we need to hear from Joe, you know? Um, and if we don't, I'm weighing my options. I think it's time, Bernie. I think it's time. Jen and I uh, have broken several bombs in the Flint water crisis over the last two weeks. Uh, the first bomb, uh, let me find it here, uh, where we broke the story that um, former governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, his uh, chief of staff, his treasurer, and his right-hand man were all secretly subpoenaed. Uh, by prosecutors in the Flint water investigation. Snyder himself was under aggressive investigation. Snyder was warned about uh, the toxic water in Flint a year before the water switch, so he got warnings about the dangers of using the Flint River as a drinking water source. He also became aware of the Legionella outbreak that killed as many as 115 people in October 2014. That would be 16 months before he told... But, but, 16 months earlier than he told Congress. Uh, we also uh, broke news that Snyder's right-hand man allegedly issued payoffs to several Flint residents to keep them quiet and not go to the media and not be publicly outspoken against the Snyder administration. Bottom line, read the story. We broke a major, major story. And honestly, the media, just like they have really taken a vacation here on covering the Tara Reid allegations, uh, the media, it has been a epic battle to get the national media to cover what we broke. We did break it with Vice, which to my knowledge is a pretty reputable outlet, um, but still uh, we have gotten national journalists, national editors telling us, oh, you know, this is kind of a local story and we're busy with uh, the coronavirus pandemic. I explained to them, oh, gee, I didn't know that the biggest environmental cover-up of the 21st century was a local story. Thanks for letting me know. Uh, I also brought to their attention that there is a link to the coronavirus because right now there is literally an 11.5% death rate in Genesee County. Flint is part of Genesee County. 11.5% death rate in Genesee County? Guess how much, guess the percentage of the cases in Genesee County are from Flint. 50% of the cases are from Flint and Flint Township. Now Flint Township did, the whole part of Flint Township wasn't on the Flint water, but several uh, key, a lot of parts of Flint Township was on the Flint water system. So when you add Flint 
and Flint Township together, 50% of the cases in Genesee County are, are, are from Flint. And the 11.4% fatality rate in Genesee County is significantly higher than the uh, US rate. Uh, last time I checked, it was five point something US. So that's six points higher. So why do you think Flint is making up the uh, half of the cases in Genesee County, which has four, over 400,000 people that live there. Maybe because all ages are severely compromised and vulnerable to this. So um, we, 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 before we broke this story today, we reached out to uh, the Attorney General of Michigan, because obviously in all of these stories, we've tried to be fair. Uh, Governor Snyder never responded to us, uh, and others that we investigated never responded to us. But if you don't know, in Flint, there was kind of like a, a Robert Mueller so to speak. There was a special prosecutor who was tasked with the Flint Water criminal investigation because the attorney general's office wanted to want, didn't want to investigate the state. So they offshored it to a special prosecutor. Uh, that special prosecutor was working for the previous attorney general. So technically, the previous attorney general slash special prosecutor had charged 15 state and city officials, uh, including two of the top officials. Uh, then, when the new attorney general came in, Democrat, uh, Gretch, uh, Democrat Dana Nessel, she fired uh, the special prosecutor, uh, some of his investigators, and then later she dropped eight. She dropped charges against eight defendants, including uh, the two highest-level state officials, uh, the health director, the department, uh, the health department's director who was a cabinet member for Governor Snyder and the chief medical executive. She dropped those charges, essentially pointing blame at the previous prosecutors, which, you know, whatever. I'm not going to get into what I think about that. So we started looking in uh, the statute of limitations uh, for misconduct in office, which is a felony, uh, passed on Saturday. Saturday was the sixth anniversary of the Flint water crisis. It was also that day. Uh, at the statute of limitations for felony misconduct in office. In response to our vice story, the attorney general's office came out basically saying that, well, there's, there's a misconception, basically talking about our report, that the statute of limitations is Saturday. We didn't report that the statute of limitations for all charges was Saturday. Felony misconduct in office, yes, because it's six years in Michigan, is the statute of limitations. So. They, the attorney general's lead prosecutors on the criminal investigation, they met with Flint residents last year in June, and those prosecutors, her prosecutors, told residents were up against the statute of limitations in nine months, which was Saturday. So I don't really know like what that statement was about, but putting that aside, so we started looking into the attorney general's office. Again, they say they're still actively investigating, uh, but we found some things that, you know, Leave it to you if you think this might be a potential um, conflict of interest here. Uh, days after the statute of limitations passed with no charges, we did this for the Detroit Metro Times, myself, Jen, and Detroit journalist Charlie LaDuff, who's a great journalist out there. We worked together on this. Metro Times has uncovered new details that may suggest potential conflicts of interest close to Nessel in relation to the water crisis. Nessel is the Attorney General of Michigan. Metro Times learned that Nestle's communication director, Kelly Rossman McKinney, a former Michigan Senate candidate and longtime Michigan PR guru, who was dubbed the Democratic half of the bipartisan Michigan PR firm, Truscott Rossman, advised two of Governor Snyder's ex-Flint emergency managers, Darnell Early and Ed Kurtz, 
along with ex-Flint Public Works Director Howard Croft on the water crisis. Um, Darnell Early, let me just break this down for you, Darnell Early, who was, a, who was appointed by Governor Snyder, um, and Ed Kurtz, who was appointed by Governor Snyder, again, she consulted apparently pro bono, uh, PR, crisis communications, what have you, on, consulted them on the water crisis. Darnell Early was charged with felony crimes. So was Howard Croft. They were both charged, Ed Kurtz wasn't, with felony crimes by Nestle's predecessor, um, Bill Schutte and the special prosecutor, and Nestle dropped those charges. To be clear, not we are not saying by any means that Nestle dropped the charges because her communications director had done work for uh, Governor Snyder's administration or uh, emergency managers he appointed. However, this would look to some like a potential conflict of interest. Let's go on. The work was previously reported on by the Detroit Free Press as Rossman McKinney giving pro bono water advice to Flint uh, without identifying the recipients of her advice. You know, she was a big PR person, so obviously uh, advising of public officials on what their public statements should be, what they should not be saying, uh, spin, they call it. Two of the officials Rossman McKinney advised, Early and Croft, were charged by Nestle's predecessor, A.G. Bill Schutte, in 2016, uh, he was Republican, with false pretenses related to uh, the KWA bond deal, which was allegedly fraudulent. Uh, remember, Flint was on the Flint River uh, temporarily while a new pipeline, the KWA pipeline, was being built. In 2019, Nestle dropped those charges alongside, um, alongside Flint's water charges pending against five other defendants. Rossman McKinney's role as AG Nestle's communications director while the AG was dropping charges against two defendants that Rossman McKinney had consulted for poses a political problem for Nestle Former Genesee County Prosecutor Arthur Bush tells the Metro Times, quote, the political problem obviously is if she, Nestle, has advisors that were working for the other side, Snyder, uh, of the team, it definitely doesn't look good. If she, Nestle, has somebody that's cheering against her from the inside of her office, that kind of begs the question why she doesn't wall that person off. Uh, to be clear, he didn't say there was any legal conflicts where Nestle uh, would have, you know, where Nestle was disqualifying herself from the criminal investigation. So I want to show you just some of Rossman McKinney, who is the Attorney General of Michigan's communications director, some of the consulting she did for Rick Snyder's administration. She, quote, the issue is out of hand, Rossman McKinney wrote to Snyder's chief of staff, Dennis Muchmore, in February 2015 regarding the water crisis fallout. I'm concerned about the implications that this, the water crisis, may have racial overtones. Ugh. Nearly a year later, she issued a tweet in response to a Vox News article suggesting Flint's lead poisoning wasn't a race issue. Except in, quote, except in Flint where all kids, regardless of race, are at risk. I mean, technically, yeah, white and black children were at risk of lead poisoning, but I mean, Flint's 53% black, so I guess I would say more black children were greater at risk. The Snyder administration's relationship with Rossman McKinney's firm seemed to go both ways. 
In November 2015, Snyder's press secretary, Sarah Werfel, Werfel, joined Rossman McKinney's PR firm as vice president of public affairs. This is really important here. Before joining uh, Nestle in the AG's office, Rossman McKinney publicly spoke out in support of Snyder and again and against AG Nestle's predecessor, Bill Schuette's charges against Snyder administration officials. Hey, Jen, do you mind just uh, going into that call we're supposed to have and tell them I'm going to be a little bit late? Uh, I sent you the link yesterday. So Rossman McKinney, who is the communications director for Attorney General Nessel, who, by the way, they are possibly investigating Rick Snyder. We don't know. She tweeted out in 2017, ridiculous overreach in, in, in relations to uh, Nestle's predecessor charging Snyder's top cabinet official with involuntary manslaughter related to the water crisis. So she's been public. She, she did not support charges against officials in Snyder's administration. As we're showing you, she was consulting the Snyder administration during the water crisis. Rossman, McCor Mc Rossman McKinney also endorsed the belief that, if, that it was flaws in government bureaucracy that led to the water crisis, not misdeeds or negligence by Governor Snyder. Here's a tweet. Carl Rove praises one tough nerd, Snyder, for stepping up to the plate to fix the Flint water situation. Says wasn't Snyder's fault, but bureaucracy. Rossman McKinney tweeted on March 4th. That talking point, which ironically is usually created by PR people like Rossman McKinney, I mean, Snyder used that talking point in interviews with Morning Joe and other places that, you know, it just was the left hand of government, didn't know what the right hand of government was doing here. Um, so she also, uh, you know, not a crime, free to donate to whatever politician you want, but Attorney General Nestle's communications director donated $700 two, uh, excuse me, donated $800 in total uh, uh, from 2010 to 2019 to Governor Snyder. Uh, this is interesting because Attorney General Nessel, when she was a candidate for office, uh, criticized uh, the special prosecutor, Todd Flood, who again was kind of the Robert Mueller of uh, Flint investigating, um, criticized him for having a conflict of interest because he had donated to Snyder. He, I think he donated $3,000, I think it was, to Snyder. So she said Flood had a conflict of interest and then fired him when she became attorney general, but her communications director donated to Rick Snyder in addition to the public statements supporting him. Um, there's also the fact that it seems her communications director has a chummy relationship with Snyder's wife. In 2013, uh, Mrs. Snyder, Sue Snyder, was a surprise guest at a Truscott Russman company event, which was her company before she became Attorney General Nestle's communications director. Um, and also, Rossman McKinney tweeted out this photo of her and Governor Snyder's wife uh, with Shinola watches, which I was told are pretty luxury watches. To be fair, uh, Rossman McKinney's partner or former partner, PR partner, said this was an event with hundreds of people. But the point is, clearly, there was some relationship here personally. If you're having Rick Snyder's wife as your special guest at company events, you're, you know, showing off luxury watch watches with each other. 
Um, so I don't have time to read the whole thing. We're going to put the link in the super chat. Um, interestingly enough, like when I went live, Attorney General Nessel started responding to our story uh, on Twitter, which I find super interesting because why didn't you respond when we reached out to your office? So it just seems kind of strange and kind of like you're making public statements uh, responding to our story, not before the story goes out, which is kind of like normal journalistic procedure, but after the fact, in a way to try and divert media attention away from our story to your statement, which frankly is what they did with our original bombshell story. They issued a statement the next day without actually mentioning our story, but it was in response to our story, which a lot of media outlets, instead of covering what we found in our story, just covered the attorney general's statement. So it kind of looks like that's what's going on here. Uh, I, you know, I assume somebody from the attorney general's office is watching this. I'd love to interview her. I, I would love to be fair to attorney general Vessel. I've tried to be. Uh, I don't have any evidence or I'm not saying and we're not saying uh, she's corrupt in any way or she has dropped charges um, in any way due to who is in her office. What we are saying is there was no disclosure of her communications director's um, previous ties to the Snyder administration. And there are potential conflicts of interest, not based on what I'm saying, based on what a former county prosecutor is saying uh, that was quoted in the piece. So let me just read you her response. Uh, Reading published reports, which imply I may in any regard have ordered that criminal charges be dropped in the water, Flint water crisis because I may be partial to former Governor Snyder or his staffers are as credible as suggestions I urged Harbo to throw the Michigan OSU game. I'm not exactly a Michigan sports aficionado, so I don't know what she's talking about there. It would also mean that Prosecutor Kim Worthy was my co-conspirator in this effort. Uh, I mean, we didn't say or allude to that, but okay. So one would have to believe that we lifelong Democrats who have never had any ties to Snyder or his staff decided to essentially throw 100,000 Flint residents under the bus solely because my communications director had contacts with persons of interest to the investigation years before we worked as the AG's office together. I don't, you know, I'll let other people decide if, if her doing crisis communications for the Snyder administration is contacts. Uh, I'll let other people decide whether it's that minimal. Any, suggest, any, such, su- any such suggestions defy reason, common sense, and are absurd at best. While my office would never stymie or pursue prosecutions against an individual based on political motives, I have spent the last dec- decade ex- excoriating Snyder and his actions as governor. It's one of the reasons I felt it best to select a position on the civil side of the conflict wall. Again, uh, they put in a quote-unquote wall that we have a Flint resi- a leading Flint activist on the record kind of saying as a joke, but they put a wall up between the criminal side of the investigation and the civil side. And the attorney general has said, I'm not involved with the criminal investigation, and there's a strict wall between the criminal investigation, she assigned the solicitor general of Michigan to lead that, and the civil side. I spoke with a county prosecutor who said, He's never heard of something like that, an attorney general recusing herself from the criminal side of an investigation. Usually, these situations, an attorney general uh, will kind of offshore the civil side of the investigation so that she could handle the criminal side. 
Um, to suggest I would instruct anyone to protect Snyder or his staffers is fantastical thinking and is wholly locking, lock, lacking in logic of any kind. It's also deeply offensive. I ran on the promise of delivering justice to the residents of Flint. It is absolutely fair for the voters of our state to judge my success or failure as Attorney General on whether I delivered on that promise. Only time will tell. I look forward to the completion of the investigation of this matter. I remain confident that Prosecutor Worthy and solicit Solicitor General Hamoud will ensure that justice is done. A um, couple things, and then I got to go because I'm late for a call. Number one, uh, the only thing I'll say respectfully to the Attorney General is we reached out to your office. We reached out to your communications director. No, you know, she did not respond. She forwarded our questions, which were fair questions, to the, you know, over the wall into the criminal side of the investigation. And they basically didn't give any real answers, only that Kelly Rossman McKinney, your communications director, obviously couldn't answer your questions. Uh, I don't know why she couldn't answer our questions. I don't know what her conflict would be in answering our questions about her previous work for the Snyder administration. We also had a question, was she advising you during your campaign because it's not clear whether she she was uh your spokesperson during the transition that month that month and a half uh between winning election as attorney general to becoming attorney general she was your spokesperson then so we asked well was she advising you during your campaign because during her campaign attorney general nestle had made some critical comments about the previous uh prosecutors and their investigation uh which you know ruffled some feathers. Uh, uh, and uh, according to our reporting, defendants were cooperating with the previous prosecution team. And then after the attorney general candidate, Dana Nessel, made those comments, they kind of clammed up. Oh, well, it seems like she's going to make changes. So let's, let's wait till the new attorney general comes in. So to be clear, A, I would like to interview you if you or any of your uh, staffers are watching. Want to be fair, obviously. We that story, I don't really understand the tweet because we're not alleging you're corrupt. We're not alleging you drop charges because of corruption. The story very clearly suggested there could be potential conflicts of interest if your communications director, who to be clear is not a prosecutor, but communications director are usually involved with advising uh, the politicians they are doing communications with. She publicly supported one of the potential targets of the investigation. She publicly criticized your predecessor's charges against Snyder officials. She donated to Snyder. Um, if you read the story, there's other things that are, might be concerning. I think conflicts of interest in you know in America in federal federally, it's be, you know we've become numb to the gross conflicts of interest in our federal government and on the state level. Uh, I'm not numb to them, and I think they should be reported on. So um, the only thing I'll say. Uh, Miss Attorney General, I would have loved for you, those tweets would have loved to get those so we could have added them into the story. Um, it gives off the appearance we weren't fair to you, but we were. We reached out to you, we didn't get a response. Uh, just like we didn't get a response for the original story, the main response we got was essentially, um, you know, due to the coronavirus, we, we don't, we, we're fighting coronavirus or something like that, so we can't answer your questions. I don't really know what the attorney general's office is doing to fight coronavirus. I thought that was the health department, but whatever.